Who's, <clears throat> do we have anyone from Minnesota here? We've got a lot of visitors here. Wisconsin camp just cannot be beat. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've been in several camps with, with preachers, and they've been to our camp, and I'd meet them in another camp, and they'd all say, there's no camp in the United Pentecostal Church like Wisconsin camp. It's just, uh, <clears throat> our morning services, when the Bible teacher teaches, you know, it's just, you know, we have a good full house, not like the night uh, it looks full, but the people could crowd closer together, which we have to do at night. But a lot of camps you go to in the day service, uh, Mississippi camp, I taught at Mississippi camp, they run about 4,500 at night and probably 150 in a day service. But you don't see that in Wisconsin. You don't see that. But Friday afternoon, we had such a sweeping move of the Lord. I talked Friday afternoon about the same thing that I talked about last Sunday night, and that's about our need as a nation to repent. I, I really believe with all my heart that some of the natural occurrences are really not so natural. See, And America needs to use some good common sense, and the most uncommon thing in the world today is common sense. We just seem to be losing it. Let me read the scripture so you can be seated. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto man or men once to die, but after this the judgment. And you may be seated. I'm going to talk about death and judgment, but I'd like to title my message, What Happens When I Die? First, I titled this, What Happens If I Die? And I marked that out. I thought that was incorrect because you will face that hour. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this situation in the, in the Midwest. I, I just read, I believe it was USA Today, where they were stating in the month of July already, Iowa has had over 20 inches of rain. Can you believe that? It's just unbelievable. Now, Reverend Jesse Jackson made a statement. I don't know if it was yesterday. It was in our paper yesterday. He addressed a group, and he was saying that this was a matter of the judgments of God resting upon Americans because of the way that they have entreated are treated, rather, the planet Earth and our environment. Now, you know, I beg to differ with him. I think we're too much concerned about the outside not so concerned about the inside. I think that's a problem right there. And while I disagree that we ought to uh, pollute the planet Earth, I think our priorities are totally wrong we want, when we want to clean up everything in and on the planet Earth and not take care of the hearts of people. I personally feel that this is coming. It's a sprinkling of God's judgment upon the American people because of immorality. Well, here, here's just a typical thing. I was talking to someone about uh, about uh, uh, television, violence and such. And the person was just, I mean, just coming down real strong, you know, uh, about TV violence, and, you know, it was against it. And uh, there's been a lot of media about this, and people are, a lot of people in the States are trying to get uh, television programs rated like, uh, movies. So uh, this person was kind of on the bandwagon and all kinds of products I will not buy and all this, that, and the other and just right down the line like this. But then the person happened to start talking about a television program. I said, but this is what we're talking about. 
So now you're telling me about this TV program that's so violent and everything, but you're watching it. Well, yeah, it's like, let me have one last look before I turn this set off. <clears throat> you understand what I'm saying? I said, but you see, this, this is what we're, this, you're condemning everybody else, but you're doing it yourself. And thinking, not thinking anything about it. This is deception. First class. And and people people become so deceived that when natural disasters like this happen, they they want to blame some occurrence someplace that and they don't look at themselves. Now the reason why that I'm adding all of this with this message, because just recently I've talked to through two or three people that have had friends that have died. And they have tried to get their friends to commit their heart to the Lord prior to death. It's hard for me to understand that someone is dying, they know they're dying, they know that they will not be able to survive much longer, they know they're not saved, and yet they'll take that chance. They just feel that maybe through some miraculous situation or something that... Uh, God's going to pull them through and they'll be saved. But they will cling to and love that part of them. There is a, there is a very strange, strange atmosphere that has enshrouded uh, the human race, more specifically the American people. You remember in the book of Luke when Jesus gave the signs of his coming? He said, Remember Lot's wife? This is a this this is just a a strange thing because here's a woman that obviously becomes so entrenched in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know that she was involved in all the the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible doesn't say. But for some reason, the sin of Sodom was not quite, uh, it did not have the effect upon her that it, that it should have had. She was not detesting this. She did not look at the spiritual environment as being deplorable. Tell me why would someone feel at home? in a city like this where there was nobody nobody saved I don't think that Lot and his wife and family were doing much to see that the city changed its attitude and yet when it came time to go out of Sodom and Gomorrah what did what did they do an angel of God had to come and stand on each side to escort those people out. They did not want to leave. You're talking about a love for life and a love for the world. And you know, the, the truth of the matter is, I, I, we could very easy or easily reach the point in America where we would be crying out like John said, in Revelation 22, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That our tenure on the earth would, would become so uh, troublesome and full of trials that we, we, would, we, we as children of the Lord would be crying out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe. But it's also hard to believe that I can stand up here and say, Brother Ray Nichols is going to Belarus a former state or a state rather of the former Soviet Union there is no Soviet Union now 
None of us would have thought such when we were listening to the media, some people all night long just a few years ago, when the Russian military shot out of the air a commercial airline flight 007 flying from from Anchorage, Alaska to Tokyo. And we had such respect and fear of this communist power. Reading yesterday's paper where former Prime Minister Thatcher and the former president or premier of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev, were in a meeting. And she spoke very negative and derogatorily against the Communist Party and everything. Now, who would think that the leader of a nation like this, that there would be such openness to talk about it? He praised her and her stand against communism. Now, in other words, you look at that and you say, oh, nothing... Nothing could ever happen to America. Well, it has happened to others. And quite frankly, I can't see that we're doing anything to cause it not to happen to us. If anything, we are going right in the direction. It's almost like we're saying, I dare you, God. I dare you. And that, that's what we're doing. We're playing a game. But you see, everybody wants everybody else to do it. But let me do what I want to do. And here, Lot and his precious wife, two daughters, were escorted out of the city. And they were told not to look back. And Lot's wife looked back. She just had that one last gaze, one last glimpse, one last look. And what happened? The Bible says she turned to a pillar of salt. It is believed that the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on the planet Earth, is where Sodom and Gomorrah was. In other words, God literally burned a hole in the ground. The Bible says that, that it was fire and brimstone that came and destroyed her. And literally burned a hole in the ground. And the lowest point on the planet Earth is the former site of Sodom and Gomorrah. What could you dig up in the depths of the Dead Sea? Where all the water of that region runs into and nothing runs out of it. But one last look. Now you see how adverse God can be to man and man can be to God? And how adverse his thinking can be? What? What comes down and gets a hold of someone that they would want to just one last look? It's like an individual's house that's on fire and he knows that maybe in a dresser drawer someplace two or three rooms down the hallway that he's got his life savings. He didn't trust the bank or anything. And he sees all of the, everything falling in. He's going to run in and risk his life for that money. And so despite the fact that he's got two friends holding him and a couple of policemen and some firemen, he breaks loose and literally throws himself into the flames. And that's what we're doing. We're throwing ourselves into the flames. I'm, I met so many people this past week that I have known for years. And I met one precious saint that I've known for years. This person at one time attended our church and moved away. This person told me, said, Brother Grant, I'm thinking about giving up. Just everything in my life has gone bad. I'm going to give up. 
So I requested that I meet with this person on Friday. I talked with this person for two hours. Hopefully that will not be the case. I want to call this person's pastor and talk with him and because she just feels that there's just no use talking to anybody. Just kind of happenstance, and I ask, how are you doing? But the big question is, if you give up on God, are things going to be any better? Are they going to be any better if you give up on God? If you quit running the race, are they going to get any better? Do you think that your marriage is going to be dissolved? I say dissolved, resolved. If you think things are going to get back together, you think reconciliation, a good feeling, you think all of the horrible things that are taking place in your home right now, if you give up on God, that all of a sudden, without God's help, these things are going to come together and you're going to be happy. You know, you're blaming God for something. God has nothing to do. This business of death, God has nothing to do. It was sin and Satan that brought it in the world. You see, the Lord said, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And we know that death came as a result of God's wrath against sin. But you see, here's how it works. You no doubt... Recently, you have given a lot of thought to the, all these levees, dams breaking. And see, when the dam is broken, the water will flow. And all God has to do to allow something to take place in your life that is terrible is just remove the levee. That's all he has to do. Because sin is in the world just like germs are in the world. I spoke of this little calf that we had that, that was born and did not nurse its mom right away and did not receive the antibodies. And as a result, when we found this little calf, she was blind. Infection. You know, infection is going to find the little darling because infection is everywhere. She can't hide from it. It's in the atmosphere. And all God has to do is just to remove the levy. And what happens is when you're blaming God for things and you feel that God's been unfair, all he has to do is say, okay, if you don't want me, okay, hands off. But then when things fall apart, don't go back and blame God when you were asking God not to be dealing with you. When I'm up preaching the way I'm preaching this morning, or talking, maybe you don't consider this preaching, but just talking, and if God starts dealing with your heart, and you resist that, you say, no, I don't want... You put a wad of gum in your mouth and start chewing and looking up the ceiling and start singing some song or something, or looking around to see who's doing what, and God says, okay, if you, I mean, if you don't want me dealing with you, I won't. And then you walk out of here and things don't go good. You may say, Brother Grant, do you believe that? Listen, I believe just as much as I believe I'm standing behind this pulpit. That there are many things that happen in your life that are not just circumstantial. In other words, they don't happen just because, you know, just because. I believe, I believe there's an unseen world out there that you cannot see with your natural eye. That you only accept it by faith. I believe that. And you see what can happen is we can just kind of hold our breath. And go ahead and go our merry way. And we think, well I've got these little children. I just, I'd like to do what I want to do. And, and hopefully the Sunday school teachers will do a superb job. And God will get a hold of my child's heart. My child will give his or her heart to the Lord, and as a result will not be so taken up with the things I'm taken up with. Don't count on it. I said, don't count on it. 
Don't count on it. One of these days, all of us, each one of us, will go from this life to meet God. Physical death is the consequences of sin, according to Genesis 3.19. Death is universal, according to Romans 5, verse 12 through 14. But you see, the thing about it is that death, as we know death, affects only one-third of us. And that is the body. See, man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. Death affects only the body. Isn't that true? Death affects only the body, according to the Scripture. Now, that simply means, then, that the inner man, and I will not separate soul from spirit, but that means the inner person, the real you, will live on after death. And why a person who is, is, is faced with death, as I mentioned, and when he's confronted about giving his heart to the Lord, and he has admitted that he's not saved, why a person like this will just walk on out into eternity is beyond me. The strangeness. The strangeness of the hour is upon the human race. It's just something I never could understand. Kids liking to live so much that they want to sing about death. And fighting for their own way and becoming so rebellious that they won't submit to anything and yet they, they, they sing rock songs about death. Chains and bondage and death. Now see, there, there's, there's something real goofy going on upstairs if anything is going on upstairs. There's something goofy about that. And the strangeness of it is that, that well, they may not say this, but they, they say, I want my own way even to the point of not being able to have my own way. What do you mean? Well, when you die, you don't get your own way. Even if it kills me, basically what you're saying is, I want life so much I'll take death. The very thing I live for is killing me. See? But you see, when you pass from this life, the inner man has many more of his or her faculties than what you might think. The person who passes from this life is fully conscious of what is going on. Now, Jesus says in Luke 16... Verse 19, oh, I hope God gets a hold of someone today and you are born again of water and of spirit before you leave this place. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. In other words, things were going pretty good for him. You know what we consider to be pretty good might not be pretty good, though. You walk up to a man, how are you doing? Fine. He's basically talking about how he feels and maybe his basic attitude toward life. Well, how's your business? Fine. Well, you look at it like that, but that might not be that way. Because what about your walk with God? Are you hungry for spiritual things? Is, the desire, is there a desire in your heart for the things of God? And you may say, well, not really. Well, then you're not so fine. Now, it, it's a strange thing when I talk about man being two-thirds and one-third. One-third physical and two-thirds unseen, how this works. I'd say that most of you, if you went into a dark room, 
and somebody walked up behind you and you never heard a thing, that all of a sudden you'd feel that somebody was behind you. You get this creepy feeling like, oh, there's somebody in this room. It's amazing. It's almost like we can pick up from people. Now, this is not a psychic lesson. You know, we just seem to pick that up. We, we just, we, we feel that. This man was doing fine, but he wasn't so fine. But he thought he was. <clears throat> All right. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. How was Lazarus doing? He was doing fine, too. Now, if you ask the rich man, he wasn't. It might be that you could even ask Lazarus, and Lazarus didn't feel that way. All right. <clears throat> now, I can, <clears throat> I can give you this story because, see, I know the end of the story. If I only read there and only there, I, I, couldn't be, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything because I think there's a whole lot of beggars that are not doing fine, and I think there's a whole lot of rich people that are. All right. Verse 21, And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And this is a phrase that was used by the Jewish people to denote paradise or what we would call heaven. See, we use the word heaven when you look in the book of Revelation, uh, there is the word holy city. We use the word hell. When you look in the book of Revelation, there is what? The lake of fire. Okay. But we use those terms interchangeably. Uh, and I, I'll get into that in just a few moments, all right? <clears throat> now, notice what happened. And the rich man died, and he was buried, and in hell. He lifted up his eyes. Now, contrary to what the JWs say, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Jehovah's Witness, contrary to what they say, hell is not the grave in this sense. Okay? It is not. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now we have present in our world a generation of people that are coming into leadership, politically and spiritually speaking. And, of course, we call them the baby boomers. Those are people that were born after 1945 and prior to 1968, I think it is. I think that's where they put it. Could be wrong there. How many of you were born in that, that between 1945 and 1968? All right. <clears throat> you are a baby boomer. Now, I don't know why they chose that name, except that after the... The post-war world, war, the post-World War II era, a lot of babies were born. Now, <clears throat> churches are are discovering things about the baby boomers. They don't like for you to preach condemnation, but for the most part, they say, "Don't preach anything about hellfire and brimstone." That's basically it. They say the baby boomers won't listen to you. But we all admit that at the same time, there is a, a lack of respect for God. Did you know that one time in Israel, Israel with its baby boomers, reached the point in which God had to send a prophet through Israel to teach them how to fear God? That's what the Bible says. He had to do that. And would you believe that in Romans 1, when it talks about perversion, that, it, that, that, that comes first, there's complacency, 
apathy, and then total apostasy comes. The total falling away, God turning over to a reprobate mind. The Bible says there was no fear of God before their eyes. I personally think, now contrary to the baby boomers and the way they think, I personally think that, that in order for you to properly respect God, fear God, that you need to understand, have a clear-cut understanding of the consequences that come as a result of you taking issues too lightly. Do you know the reason why there's respect in homes? There's respect in homes when dad and mom establish a government in that home and the children, they end up respecting a reverential respect for dad and mom. But the basis of it is, if I don't do this, I know what dad will do. I would say that that's also true. <clears throat> Most people fear the IRS because if they don't pay, they end up paying. Sounds like a contradiction, but that's the way it goes. Isn't that true? And I would say that most of you, if you knew, if you knew that your boss on your job would let you buy with anything you wanted to do and that there was no chance of you getting fired, even though you love your boss and respect your boss, that all of a sudden your work habits would change. Have you ever gotten up and gone to work when you didn't want to? How many of you? Well, sure. <clears throat> See? But the baby boomers are saying, we don't want to hear about this. Let's just let's talk about love. Let's talk about things that make us feel good. We don't want to talk about condemnation. We don't want to talk about the wrath of God. We don't want to talk about hellfire and brimstone. Uh, Isn't that something? See, with the New Age thinking, and see, the, right, the world is ripe now for this New Age thinking to come in. Basically, the New Age thinking is humanism just dressed in a different skirt. That's basically what it is. And the New Age thinking is, see, there was time in which people thought that God was so good that he wouldn't send anybody to hell. But the new age thinking is that man is so good that God won't send him to hell. See, that's the basic difference. See. So we've gone, we've, we have slidden from this situation where God is so good to man is so good. But as sure as I stand behind this pulpit, my Lord and Savior knew what he was talking about. And Jesus Christ spoke of hell ten times more than he spoke of heaven. And the reason why is because it's so final. I mean, once you pass from this life, the Bible teaches there is no repentance beyond the grave. One man told me years ago, he said, I know I'm lost and I know I'm, I'm going to hell. But he said, I've been able to work through everything so far. And I believe that I'll be able to take care of myself come judgment day. I'm serious. Now, this man was dead serious about it. He said, I, I have no fear. And you know, you can be as brave as you want to be, but you get yourself in your automobile, and all of a sudden, you lose control of this automobile, and that thing starts spinning around and around and around and around and around and around. And it seems like, I, I know that it, it doesn't happen this way, but when it starts spinning, it seems like it speeds up. It's because you become aware then of really how fast you're going. You know, you say, oh, it had a wreck only 30 miles an hour. 30 miles an hour is real fast when you're, 
when you're just about 30 feet from a car and you're headed straight toward it. I mean, it seems like it's really going. And all of a sudden, while you're going around and around and around and around and around and whipping back and forth, and you have no control over this, and you look up, and you're going right into the lane of an oncoming semi-truck. <clears throat> now, I said that to say this. You're, I mean, you're just, you're helpless and pretty much hopeless. I mean, you follow what I'm saying? There you are. That's what's going to happen when, in other words, you should be aware that there are many circumstances that you're thrust into right here in this life that you have no control over. And do you think that you, uh, I mean, here you are, body, soul, and spirit, but a total of 180 pounds and plus. I put the plus on because you probably looked at me. But uh, you know what I'm saying? And you think, man, I'm going to be able to, I'll pull the shots when I get up there. You know, things are going to be different. Let me tell you something in the book of Revelation. When God shakes the earth, the Bible says, the stars shall fall from heaven like the leaves from a fig tree out of season. In other words, what he's saying is just like a fig tree would die. I'm talking about the fall weather, but a fig tree would die, and there's no nourishment going in to that tree. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I remember vacuuming in our house one day, and we'd been on a vacation, and we forgot to water a tree before we left, and it was one of these little fig trees that we have in a corner. You, you And... And so we were gone to general conference, and heat came on in the house, and the thing was dried out. It looked okay, but I bumped the base. I just bumped the base real hard with a vacuum cleaner, and every leaf on the tree, I mean every one of them, must have been 100, 150 leaves, they just went, and the first thing that came to my mind, the stars shall fall from heaven like the leaves from a fig tree. And you think when all this is happening, when all the water on the planet Earth turns to blood, you think you're going to be big enough? 180 pounds of you dripping wet? You think, you think you're going to be big enough to withstand God? No, my friend. Don't count yourself so important. Now, you are important enough that Jesus Christ came and died, shed his blood upon the cross to save you. But, you know, like, like this, the, the song went, Country Western, I think it was, it said, me and God have our own thing going. The, the, the whole problem with that is that it's contrary to Scripture. You see, it's appointed unto men once to die, after death comes the judgment. When it comes to the new birth that you need to receive in order to prevent the second death that's dying forever in hell, the Bible says you must be born of water and of spirit, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We're talking about all of you. Talk about me, every one of you. Basically, you know what I'm 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 trying my dead level best to do is to shake some of you out of the rut, the spiritual rut that you're in. You're not concerned about church attendance. You're not concerned about God. You're not concerned about your spiritual life. And if I am correct in saying that I believe because of America making wrong moral decisions, in other words, immoral decisions, embracing homosexuality as an alternate lifestyle, killing babies in abortion clinics. If I am right in all of this, and if God says that America is right for judgment, do you think you being a person who knows the truth, you know what it's like to talk in tongues, you know what it's like to pray at an altar, you know what it's like to fast, do you think 
that if you abandon all of those prior convictions that God's going to ignore you, after you have turned your back on Him, and punish people for their sin, and some of those people don't have the slightest idea as to what they need to do to be saved. He's not going to do it. For the time has come, Peter says, that judgment must begin at the house of God. Would you please open your heart and let me shake you with these words down to the core? Hey, this is life! It's real, heart-beating, pulsating life that we're living and we won't walk these roads again. We go down this road of life one time. As a kid, I used to go through the fire drills. We attended Gaston School out in a little town called Jornerville, Texas. Made out of rock, the school was. And um, they had these fire slides. Because of the New London school explosion, it took place several years actually before I was in school, but the whole school blew up. We had these fire drills, and we had to slide down these slides. It was a lot of fun, you know. So we'd practice, and we'd practice, and we'd practice, and we'd practice. Because someday the fire is coming. The situation is with life, this is not a practice. It's for real. It is for real. It really is. I'm just, I'm telling you, I, some of you in the past, you may think, well, Brother Grant's been radical. He's been very conservative. Uh, I don't plan on getting any better. I use that word better. I can't. How can I? When I know that judgment is coming, how can I? How can I stand behind this pulpit and 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 loosen up and 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 make people feel that everything you do is all right? God, just you know, what about mercy? What about grace? I'm hearing a lot about that. I believe in mercy, and I believe in grace, and I do not believe I can be saved without the mercies of God. But I know one thing, my friend. God's mercy never covers unrepented sin. You can't find that in the Scripture. Now, the thing about it is, you see, death, because Death came as a result of man's sin, and and I told you, you know, how Satan works. That you just take the levy down and, and it's there. Death is trying its best to break through the levy and claim us all. There's some days I get up and you know, I just feel like, man, I've got arthritis so bad in one ankle. This morning when I got up, I couldn't hardly walk on it. I found myself just Oh, God, I've got to preach this morning. You know, just, oh, my. my then my knee started hurting because I, I depend too much on the other leg then, and then my knee starts hurting. And all I can say is, well, I'm going to put a few more sandbags on the levee. I'm going to keep it off as long as I can. You may say, oh. Now, I don't, I, you know, I don't want this to sound, you know, but I have an aunt. She's just a precious lady, but but she has... She has sugar diabetes, and and you know it in in, in, a, in a bad way. And an aunt that's always been strong. I've all I love her. I love her dearly. She's in Texas. My mother called me and said Aunt Julie had to have her leg amputated. Then I talked with my mother the other day and says, "Well, son, you need to pray for Aunt Julie. She's going to have to have her other leg amputated." In other words, death is trying to claim us all. Will it? Yes, it will. Some of you people in your 20s, you know, you stand before the mirror and you say, I don't even have a wrinkle. Oh, don't kid yourself. They're coming, though. 
I mean, go ahead and enjoy it. Enjoy it, but they're coming. They're coming. Sure they are. They're coming because death is trying to claim us all. We do our best to hold it at bay. We take our prayer requests. We pray for people. We even this morning prayed for families and friends that were involved in this situation that Liz told us about. Up at the count meeting, several requests came. Now, each one of these people, not one of them would be ignored by God. Each one of these, one by one, they all go into eternity. And they go either into Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise, or they go into hell. Now, the thing about it is that this rich man, when he went into hell, he was very, 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 very aware of where he was. The Bible says, In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, the man he hated, the man he despised. Send him. I'm at full of sores. Let him take his old rotten, smelly, sorry hand and dip his finger in water that he may just cool my tongue, for I am tormented this flame. He did not ask for a drink of water. He wanted just to touch his tongue. Thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is confronted or comforted and thou art tormented. Now the thing about it is, though, we read this, we know that people live after they die. Obviously, he was not in a body form then. But he had eyes. He had ears. He had a tongue. See, the real you has all of this. You may say, well, this is the reason why Jesus addresses things like, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Well, they all had ears. But he said, would you take those ears that are inside of you that nobody can see, that, that are responsible for comprehension and understanding, would you, would you open those up so that the words don't just fall on the natural ear? Would you do that? We, we, we see also concerning the believer in Matthew 17, verse 3, and you need not turn there, my time's getting away, but here we see Moses and Elijah. They appear with Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. But we also know, though, that there will be a time in which God will call forth everyone from the planet Earth and they will be reunited with the body. And you may say, well, if my body is decayed and such, and this is true of many, many bodies, how will God be able to reunite the soul and the spirit with the body? Well, you're looking around all of us now. Where do we come from? We came out of the ground. In other words, if God can make it one time, He certainly can find the pieces and put them back together. It's not a fairy tale, my friend. First Thessalonians 4 speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who sleep with God, will God bring with Him? Oh, such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hope. I am so glad that Jesus Christ came. I am so glad that Jesus Christ saved me. Just turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. Many of you have not ever looked at this. If you have a Bible, share it with someone. Verse 13, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. In other words, there are two, 
two classes of people in the earth, those that have hope and those that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so them which all which all uh, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about the righteous. When the Lord comes back, the Bible makes it very plain. The exception to the rule is that if a person is alive when the Lord comes back, he will not see death like people would naturally experience death. He will just be changed so he will never go to his grave. But those who, those that rest in the grave, that is the body is there, the soul and the spirit is in the presence of God. And God reunites the soul and spirit with the body, and they come forth. Now, when this takes place, and that could take place any time, because the signs of times have been fulfilled. Jesus Christ could return any day now. I mean, any day. Any day. Let me ask you this. Did you live yesterday the way you would want to live if Jesus Christ had a return yesterday. In other words, it's history now. Just think about it. And you may say, well, I'm trying my best to please Jesus. I'm trying my best to go to heaven. What about yesterday? Did you live yesterday like you were expecting Jesus to live yes, uh, to, to come yesterday? And if he had have come, would you have been satisfied with the way you lived yesterday? Now, I said that to say that if you did not, there is a good chance then that you won't make it because you are just procrastinating. Procrastination is a cancer of the soul. You know, I intend to do better. I want to do better. But you don't do any better. I think I talked about this last Sunday night, but some of you were not here. We have a tendency to come in shifts. Follow what I'm saying? I love all of you. Do you know that it would be easier for me to preach something? And quite frankly, I've been preaching for a good number of years, and I know what I could preach and stand out in the lobby and everybody come by and say, you sure lifted me up today, Pastor. I know how to lift up people. I know how to edify the body. I know how to do that. And there are times when you need a pat on the back, but there are times when you need, just need a good swift kick right in the seat. And this is not the pat on the back service. It's not the time for it. I feel this in my soul. I feel that Jesus Christ could come back any time now. There's urgency in the atmosphere. There's something that's demanding action. There's something that's crying out in my soul saying, We can't wait any longer. Whatever we do for God, we need to do it right now. Can't put it off. Oh God. Oh God. Hi. I well, let's just turn to Revelation twenty. Revelation twenty, see now the church is gone, the tribulation period takes place. After the body of Christ leaves the earth, tribulation period is, it goes into full swing. Every island and mountains moved out of its place. On one occasion, the sun turns to blood. The moon looks cyclops and ashes. Water is turned to blood. War throughout the planet earth. Have, have you ever thought about just how stupid war really is? You think about it. Now, you, you really think about it. Now, Please understand, I'm not saying that the action we took in the Gulf 
war was not appropriate. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it should not have been done, but I'm just saying, if you really look at it, how stupid it is. I mean, somebody runs down, takes another country, kills people. I mean, people just like me. People just like you. Wives were taken away from, from husbands and raped in the presence of the, their family. You know, when you look at it and you say, oh, you really think God's judgment is going to come to the planet Earth? Then you hear some of these reports about what happened to some of these ladies. You think, how can God look down upon something like this and tolerate that? Well, he could stop it all if he wanted to. And you may say, why won't he? he why doesn't he stop it? Well, he is going to. But see, the whole problem is if you're not ready for the stop, then you're just as guilty as everybody else. Now, after the Lord has made the planet Earth anew, there will be a thousand years of peace on the planet Earth. How would you like to, how would you like to live on the planet Earth during the millennium where, where everybody loves everybody and everybody's talking about Jesus? And how would you like to do that? Let me see your hand. I, I'm, oh, yes. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. If I'm understanding the Scripture correctly, you know the devil's going to be locked up tight and cast in the lake of fire for a thousand years. Now, if you'd like to do that, everybody you see, it's praise the Lord. Why aren't you praising God more now? Do you think when Jesus Christ rules the planet Earth with a rod of iron, do you think there's going to be all of these bad movies and all this kind of stuff circulating? Well, why are you watching them now? I mean, if that's what you want to do then, if you, if you think that looks so good in the future, why are you doing it now? Because you know what you're doing? You're tempting God. You're tempting God. For a man to say, boy, I'd like to live in the millennium where there's no sin, and yet you're involved in it up to your neck. You know who you're fooling? Yourself. And only yourself. But you see, after the tribulation period, the Bible says... <clears throat> The dead, small and great, is going to stand before God. Revelation 20, verse 12. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. <laughs> Everyone has been planted into the sea. You don't think God's going to find those bodies? God knows where every particle has been deposited. And death and hell delivered up and the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works. Now death and hell. Hell is the place of torment. Basically what it's saying is that, that God's going to bring all the bodies back together and all the spirits are going to come out of hell and they're going to be reunited and notice what it says. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. What's the difference between hell and the lake of fire? Hell seems to be temporary in this respect. That it will be swallowed up by something much larger than what it is now. It's permanent in this respect. That there never will be a relief Jesus said, Fear not him that is able to destroy the body, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And I said the words are interchangeable in some cases. Now the Bible says, This is the second death. Now notice verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Do you want your name written in the book of life today? You could be born of water and of spirit. Now, some of you are going to leave and say, well, I don't know. This pastor is just kind of old-fashioned. He probably would have had a very large church 
at the turn of the century. People will listen to him. Someone even told me not long ago, said, wake up, preacher. These are the 90s. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm proclaiming what I'm proclaiming. Would you stand with me right now? I don't know when Jesus is going to call you home. I don't know. I don't know when he's going to ask you to give an account of your life. But one of these days, somebody's going to walk through your house and gather up all your belongings. Put them in a box. And say, well, he's not here anymore. He's gone. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. I misspell a lot of words in my sermon notes. I do that because I get in a hurry. Sometimes I write like a, you know, like shorthand. You just write things the way you... I'm up here preaching. I know what it's like. I mean, I know what it's all about. When I was preparing this message, it came to me. You know, you shouldn't be misspelling so many words because some of these days these files are going to all be open. Your kids or somebody's going to look through all of them. They're going to say, Ah, he didn't know how to spell. Well, that's pretty much the case, but but you see what a, the Bible says that things that are done in secret will be opened up. Oh God, why don't you come today and give your heart to God? I'm getting. I'm doing my best to shake you. I'm doing my best to get you to understand how real life is. Why don't you come right now? Every head bowed. Step out and come. If you've already been born again, why don't you come renew your life in the Lord? Come on right now. Just make that confession. I want to be better. Break ties with the past. Oh, come on. Come and give your heart to God. Oh, God. One by one, we fade from the planet Earth into eternity. And one by one, we meet God. Come on. Come on and pray. Come on and give your heart to God. Come on. Would you do that right now? bless all of these people who are kneeling and praying if you feel to pray with someone why don't you go and pray with them right now would you do that come on right now give your heart to God submit yourself to the master let God work on you would you do that 
Repent of your sins today. Be filled with His Spirit. Oh, God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look in His Of his glory and 